welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on a bank holiday weekend, mm. Saturday morning. Porik, good morning good to morning, you. Good morning, Good morning. How good are morning. things? Things are great. Things are great. I was uh, listening to the forecast uh, just uh, this morning and, mm. and they were talking about soil temperatures are two degrees above average. Are they? Yeah, so the soil is extremely warm and this bit of rainfall of course is going to help uh, with growth and, and, and uh, just growth in general. Mm. And Evelyn Cusack was talking about great growth for next week. Uh, and if you think about it in the last, I suppose, 10, 14 days, the amount of foliage growth and, and leaf growth that has happened because conditions are just perfect. Absolutely. And I, I agree with that because I was driving on the road a little bit during the weekend and, and I had been on a road where I hadn't been on it maybe in three or four weeks time or like the last time was three or four weeks ago. And the difference, it was just amazing. You yeah. could really see all the leaf growth coming out. Lush it was lovely. And, yeah, and absolutely. It, that know, lush feeling. And, and so next week in particular, we're going to get uh, the temperatures are going to be high. The moisture level, this bit of, of misty rain is going to be very conducive to growth mm-hmm. as well because it was actually getting a, a little tad dry. Uh, so the, the rain has been a welcome. And the other thing I've noticed um, is the amount of plants in flower. There's a huge amount of flower going on, colour at the moment. Mm. So things like berberus and the malice, apple trees, people that have apple trees at the moment are pear trees. They're in, or they're certainly coming into full flower at the moment. There's going to be a, a fantastic blossom this year, which hopefully will lead to lots of fruit. The other plant I've noticed at the moment is uh, lilac. It's just starting to come into flower everywhere at the moment and it's a great time for planting lilac in the garden. It's one of those kind of old cottage garden mm. plants that again we've probably forgotten about for the last couple of years but it's a it's a great time to plant them because if you get them as plants now uh, they should if they're strong plants they'll come into flower this year and there's a lovely variety called royalty. Oh that sounds... It's a really nice one yeah. Well only the best for this programme of course. Of course. <laughs> so royalty is, is a real rich lilac pink. Um, very easy to grow and it's uh, a form of lilac that's scented as well. There's oh, a really right. nice scent from it. So, you know, if you're looking for a plant in the garden that's going to be easy to grow, it's going to come into flower in the next... Well, it's literally nearly in flower at the moment or it'll just start now over the next couple of days. And, uh, you know, great for kind of filling a, a large shrub border or as a small tree, I suppose, in the garden because it will grow eight or nine yeah, feet. Yeah, my aunt, who's a great gardener, I don't know, the gene didn't pass on from any side as far as I'm concerned, but she is a great gardener and she has had lilac uh, kind of hedges, really. Oh, really, yeah. Well, for that's reasons I, I was a small person. Yeah. Um, and they're always, they always look brilliant. Well, they are reliable mm. and they are frost hardy and you can actually put them into hedgerows and trim them you know with other other plants to form that hedgerow effect but as a garden plant they really do very well and just keep an eye out for those at the moment because again spring this spring has been particularly good for spring flowering plants those plants that flower right up to the end of June mm. so you know um, laburnum for example the golden rain tree you that's going to that. be fantastic yeah, yeah, in yeah. another couple of weeks time um, so it's been a great flowering year it's been a great growth at the moment the other thing that I've noticed is that um, uh, it's it's fantastic weather at the moment for sowing seed. So if you if you're thinking about putting in some vegetable seed or herb seed or say carrot seed, which can be tricky sometimes when the weather is cooler, right. but with the two degrees of of soil temperature higher than average, with the rainfall we're getting at the moment, you know if you want to sow seed of plants, uh, you're going to get very rapid germination. I would nearly guess within a week you'll see from sowing seed say today, by next Sunday week 
or Monday week, you'll actually see those plants germinating. It'll be that rapid with yeah. the sort of temperatures we're getting. So if you're interested in putting in, you know, the vegetable seeds, and, and you can still sow right up to the end of, middle to the end of June, so there's lots of time to sow seed, but cabbage or radish or peas or beans or carrots, parsnips, swades, any of those, this is the absolute perfect weather for sowing those. Um, and carrots, sometimes people find them difficult, and the way I like to sow them is, is to create the drill, sow the seed, and then covered with potting compost uh, you'll find that the seeds will germinate up through that a lot easier than putting just covering them over with soil um, but again with this kind of moist weather do keep an eye on our friends the slugs as well because they will damage oh, young, yeah. young seedlings I got uh, my mum was showing me how things were progressing in her garden yesterday and she has uh, taken she's kind of done exactly what you said there she's got her parsnips are in she's Great. got cabbage in there was beetroot uh, starting to sh- germinate. germinate and shoot Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but the slugs had attacked rhubarb, <laughs> and my God, oh, yeah. they had a full dinner. Let me tell you. And they will. They yeah. eat, the, eat the stems of rhubarb. They eat the the foliage of rhubarb. Uh, even though r- rhubarb has a, a um, it has a not a toxin, but it does have a kind of an acid in the in the. Um, in, in, in the, the juices, right. in the juices that most most pests won't attack rhubarb, but. Slugs well, will. Well, these, these Slugs will. They, they were the, the more tender leaves and, yeah, yeah, and they, they will. had this had a, a yeah. good time on them. And they'll rasp the, the um, stems of rhubarb as well. So mm. keep an eye on that and particularly with this kind of moist weather they're going to be um, damaging. But certainly the sowing of, of seed the, if you have say bare patches in the lawn and you want to put down some kind of fresh lawn mm. seed or if you're thinking of putting in a new lawn for example at the moment this is the sort of ideal conditions where you get very rapid germination of seeds of all seeds, be it, and of course the weeds are going to be germinating well, yes, as well. Yeah. But for certainly putting in new lawns, repatching lawns, sowing herb seeds, vegetable seeds, even flower seed. Um, how you, uh, by the way, how are you getting on with your? Uh, they're com- I, I, uh, they're coming along lovely, Porig. And I meant to take a photograph, but I'm afraid that's something that just didn't get around to. But I'll get I'll get that for you and right. bring it in. And, and so these are you. the easy flowers the I easy, gave you. Yes, the easy flowers are easy <laughs> to grow. Folks. That I gave you three weeks ago. <laughs> well, there you could still sow those. For example, if you had a, an area in the garden that you just wanted a bit of colour a few bare patches Mm. a bit of soil and just rake the soil chuck it in as you know and and I suppose you saw them pot probably two or three weeks ago did you? Yeah yeah in part in in a couple of pots Yeah well if you saw them today the germination rate would be nearly half of what but you know so within 10 days you'd actually see those beginning to germinate as well so a really good time of year um, and weather conditions certainly allowing the sowing of seeds it, if anything it was probably a, a tad too dry two weeks ago um, the other thing I've, I've noticed are the tomato plants and in particular the grafted tomato plants are in garden centres at the moment and they're worth looking for, for. Um, you'd often hear me talking about apple trees and pear trees being grafted onto mm-hmm. a different rootstock there are a range a collection of tomato plants that are available at this time of year that have been grafted onto a rootstock, a, a more vigorous rootstock um, of tomato, which means basically that you get uh, far bigger trusses of flowers and fruit and the plants are more vigorous. So look for those. They're worth growing. If you haven't planted your tomato plants now, look for the grafted tomato plants. You'll know them because they're nearly twice the size of a traditional tomato plant and they'll be in a bigger uh, pot um, and they come in the cherry and in the full size Varieties, but I've grown them for the last number of years. And right. I find them really Good. terrific. They're very vigorous, um, and but Good huge amount of fruit off yeah. them. Yeah, particularly the the cherry varieties. I mean, they produce on a on one truss of flower, you'll get twenty or thirty tomatoes wow. on the one 
yeah so it's a, a really prolific um, you'll end up having to use them for chutney and but that's and, good yeah. and, and make you know make pasta sauces for the winter and things yeah, like so, that with them so do keep an eye out for those the other the other thing to keep um, in mind are things like it's time to be doing up your hanging baskets your window boxes and the kind of containers so if you're thinking of summer colour for June, July, August, September Mm. start planting up the containers now Uh, all the trailing plants they're available now and the growth is quite vigorous so if you do put up plant up your hanging basket this weekend that'll certainly come into flower in the next two to three weeks certainly by June bank holiday weekend your baskets will start Mm -hmm. to look really well and a little tip for people if you're planting up baskets Get yourself a small packet of nasturtium seed, particularly the dwarf varieties. There's a lovely one called Alaska, nasturtium Alaska. Packet of seed will cost you maybe one euro fifty or two euros, mm-hmm. whatever it'll be, and you'll have thirty or forty seed in that. And Alaska nasturtium Alaska is dwarf, so it grows very, very. Um, it only produces stems maybe a foot, eighteen inches in in length, loads and loads of flowers, but the foliage is variegated. So it's got white and oh. green in the foliage. So if you're doing up your hanging basket or window box, buy yourself a little packet of seed and shove the seed, maybe four or five seed, into the basket or underneath mm-hmm. or around the hanging basket plants. The seed will germinate. The nasturtium, the dwarf nasturtium, will germinate uh, just underneath the plants and that will come into flower then uh, in about about the middle of July. Now, if you plant the plants, the nasturtium plants, they just grow too vigorously. So the idea of the seed is actually you're giving your be- you, the, the rest of the plants a chance to get going before the nasturtiums kick in. So it's a little tip just for a little bit of extra colour. Um, and also, you know, because of the seed, it can germinate very rapidly. So look for that one. It's called nasturtium Alaska or any of the dwarf um, dwarf nasturtiums are great in containers. Or if you wanted a bit of colour, say, in a rockery mm. or a border, a couple of packs of those now, sprinkle them down. They give a great show of colour. Nasturtiums are also great if people grow a lot of cabbage or anything in the cabbage family because the, one of the problems with growing cabbage is that the caterpillars love them as yes, well. Yes, indeed. Of the, the cabbage white fl- uh, the butterfly, the white butterfly. But if you grow nasturtiums, they actually prefer the nasturtiums, the nasturtiums. to cabbage. So they will go to the nasturtiums and not worry about your cabbage. That's the idea. So you can sacrifice the nasturtiums exactly. and save your cabbage. Exactly. Brilliant so idea. if you have a spare piece of ground yeah. beside, close to your veg garden, sow a couple of packets of nasturtium seed now. They'll germinate over the next couple of weeks and the, when the white butterfly comes around in the early part of June, he'll take to the nasturtiums and leave your hopefully leave your cabbages alone. alone. So it's a nice organic way of deterring a bit like my idea with the cat yes. and the and the Napita, the, 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 the cat mint. So that's something too, and I suppose it ties in with the message today of seed sowing in particular. It's a cheap, easy way to get a bit of colour into the garden. It also can be beneficial for sowing vegetable plants. And if you, you are sowing some veg, I always recommend plant a few plants and sow a bit of seed at the same time to get that continuous uh, uh, trimming or or continuous um, production of of vegetables all all summer long. So they're the sort of things. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention was we have a design weekend. It's been popular this year. Yes, very popular. Next weekend, next Saturday and Mm -hmm. Sunday, which is the 10th and 11th of May, um, we're running a design weekend, a garden design clinic in Turlock and Castle Bar. It's a free event, but you do need to book. So it's the number to ring is 09490-31435 or 31436. And we'll book you in Saturday and Sunday. Now, the places will be limited. So if you're thinking of doing maybe up a part of the garden or you're, you've come into a, a, a new garden, a new house and you want to do up the garden or you just 
want some ideas or in some inspiration, then we'll have that garden clinic next Saturday and Sunday in Turlock. You do need to book and we'll give you about a 20 minute, 15 to 20 minute session with myself and Peter and the team and just give you ideas in terms of what to do with the garden. Perfect. So it's particularly geared towards people that are maybe thinking about doing something different, maybe putting in new beds yeah. or the want to, you know, maybe create a, a screening or shelter or they want some new ideas for the garden, kind of a little makeover. Then come along, then do book 0949031435 and next Saturday and Sunday we'll be giving our time to people to just give them some inspiration. We will look for them to take some photographs of the garden and uh, bring them in. And the last clinic we ran, it was very Mm. interesting. Nobody came in with a photograph. Oh. With the old photograph. They all came in with their digital devices. Oh, okay. So you tablets and phones and everything going. There was phones, there was tablets, there was some lady brought actually one of those picture frames, you know those media picture players. They brought one of those to show us. So we didn't actually get a paper photograph, the old traditional photograph. Everyone had, isn't it? That is a sign of the times. And we had, I mean, everybody from, you know, people in their 30s to people in their 70s. And they all had their smartphone. Yeah, I I, I noticed that that, age is no longer an impediment, I think, to those things. But it also, it was so easy for people just to go out literally the day before, snap 20 pictures. Or even pictures. 10 minutes before you exactly. get into the car and exactly. go, yeah. So if you're interested in that design weekend, that's next Saturday and Sunday, 09490 Ring the guys and we'll book you in. And um, so that's yes. it. Great. That's my lot okay. for the day. Not quite, I'm afraid. <laughs> Sorry, you don't get away that, that lightly. It's 18 minutes past nine. We're going to take a quick break because uh, questions have been flowing in for the last hour and a half, I'd say. Uh, so we've got lots to keep us occupied between now and 10. And if you do have something you want to uh, throw at Pork, 087-900-4141 is our text with thanks to C&C Cellular. We're switching your landlines to Vodafone is easy. And also, of course, Teresa is taking calls this morning on 0818 3055. You're very welcome back to the gardening programme. Pork, I I was rushing along thinking of the questions, but you've got a couple of... um plants in with us this morning. I spotted these again last night in the gardens. Very pretty. Something different. Something uh, a bit unusual. First plant here, this is uh, the Cape Mallow. And people will know the common mallow, Lavateria, which has big, blousy pink flowers in the summertime. This is a dwarf version of it called the Cape Mallow. And the flowers, I suppose, are only about two inches in diameter. But look at the amount of flowers that are on that plant. And it'll only grow about two feet in height two feet in diameter, makes a kind of a nice small uh, dwarf uh, bush of colour, I suppose. And it flowers from now. I mean, there's literally... There's loads and loads and oh my goodness, yeah, I'm really getting loaded now. There's about 30 blooms in flower at the moment, but there's huge amount of And there's probably about another 100 nearly to come out. But believe it or not, that plant will stay in flower until September, October of this year. So it's a really, really good plant. So that's a plant called the Cape Mallow. Um, pink flowers, kind of their bell-shaped flowers. But if you had, say, a little shrub border mm. or a pot even or a rockery or anywhere like that where you wanted a bit of colour that will last for the whole summer, look for that at Cape Mallow. Very easy to grow, really nice plant. It's kind of got that cottage garden look, but it's a very small, bushy, shrub-like plant. Um, very easy to grow. It's evergreen. It retains the foliage in winter. Oh, right. Um, so it's a nice one. It's, it's very it's, pretty. It's nice and delicate and it's subtle. 
it is, yeah. It but is, yeah, actually. It, there's a lot to it. There's, yeah. yeah and which it, and I know it sounds like kind of a contradiction in terms. Sounds like the perfect land. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> it's so that, it is. It's lovely. It's a nice little one. Yes. So that's a Cape Mallow. You don't often see it too um, too often, so I, I just I said I'd bring it in. It caught my eye. Yeah. The other plant I thought was nice. It, that's is, lovely. Isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's white. I'm sorry, now the screen is in front of me. It's pure white. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a plant called Nemesia Nero White. So it's a perennial form of Nemesia, which people will know as a bedding plant. But it's pure, pure pure white uh, flowers and again it's one of these plants that's going to flower the whole summer long mm -hmm. so it's going to come into flower it is in flower now it is, yeah. but it's going to continue right through to the end of summer again it only grows about this one is uh, quite low it's about six inches yeah. in height perfect for again uh, say an alpine bed raised bed if you want something, something to cascade cover. down yeah so they're just two nice something a bit different I thought yeah they're but, lovely yeah they're nice I, yeah. I like this one in particular they the Cape Mallow both actually the white is lovely too because I always think white flowers um, like small the way that has the small white flowers on it and um, when there's a lot of them it's really quite um, impressive and can be quite it does spectacular stand out, yeah. it really yeah it makes an impression yeah um, and that uh, and particularly that Nemesia near a white it'll form a clump I mean already it's about a foot in diameter mm. but it'll form a clump up to about two feet in diameter about six inches height so it's low growing but yes it covers a nice bit of space so you yeah, will see it lovely. at quite a distance. Really nice. Um, okay, let's turn our attention yeah, to questions. Um, now, this is an interesting one to start off, Porik. Um, a listener has put a good fistful of potash around the tr their trees on two occasions a couple of weeks ago. Okay. The trees are doing well, but they applied the same to a box's hedge and a camellia. And it seems to have burnt the boxes. And the camellia is nearly dead now, we're told. Right. What is was it? Were they too heavy-handed yes. with the potash? Yeah, and remember that all fertilisers, um, particularly granulated fertilisers, are caustic. They do burn. Um, so potash is the element that induces flowering and fruiting in plants. So it's great for your apple trees and your pear trees and your hydrangeas and shrub, flowering shrubs in the garden. It, 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 it's of no real benefit to plants like um, boxwood, which is grown for its foliage colour, leaf colour. And for plants like camellias, particularly if they're in pots, you're better off with liquid feeds. Right. So a liquid or a caseous feed or one of the slow release feeds like uh, Grosure do a very good one called Grosure Ericaceous which again you can put on the top of pots it, the rain will wash it in but it's in the, the actual fertiliser is encased in a coating so it won't burn the actual plant when it's in the container so yes and two applications of potash is too much you know just one, one was plenty and maybe you know a second application a month or six or eight weeks later is, yeah. is fine so keep the potash really to roses uh, hydrangeas, fuchsias, you know, those plants, shrubs in the garden, uh, flowering shrubs and, um, you know, for your containers, pots and containers, you're far better with a liquid feed or one of the slow release fertilizers. Okay. So too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, a listener has a weeping willow plant. It's not moving up much, as it's growing up much, I think, but it is growing out uh, towards the sides and onto the ground. Should they cut it back? Well, how does weeping willow grow? It, it grows its, down. Well, it, it grows. It's weeping in by nature. Now, what you can do, I understand what they're saying. It's not they're it not getting any height yeah. from the plant. The first thing to check with weeping willows, uh, there's two basic types. They're very large uh, willow which grows 30-40 feet in mm -hmm. height type thing and more a specimen tree or there's a small willow that people often have in their garden the first thing to check at this time of year is there is there any dead wood in the tree and you do that by just opening up the, the branches and checking inside in the centre of the plant if there's any dead wood that will break away cut that out right. completely yeah. don't prune anything else at this time of year and if you want some height from the tree get yourself a good stiff bamboo cane 
maybe six, eight foot bamboo cane, put it down into the centre of the tree and tie up one of the branches to the bamboo cane. Does that make sense? It does. I, I, it does to me because we have one in the garden that's there a long time <laughs> and it's, sta- it's staked like that. So All right. So yeah. Put, yeah. So put, put a tall bamboo cane right yeah. in the centre of the willow, take one of the branches, tie it upwards and tie it in with some ties and that will give you the height and that branch will actually start to trains weep as well. Bit, yeah. yeah, It trains it vertically. Um, so check for dead wood, prune that out, leave the rest of the shoots alone, put in a good stiff bamboo cane, tie in a central leader as it were and um, that will produce the, the height and it'll, that branch will actually start to weep itself as well over time. Okay, so it's a bit of it's a bit of training, really, but it's, it's what it needs. Yeah, a bit of training. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, a listener has cleaned out their garden pond last week. Our Great. garden pond, their garden pond seemed to be getting more popular. Ah, uh, yeah. But again, you know, this is the time of year, yeah. so as people, particularly if they've got um, plant life in it and fish life, they're all kicking into growth. Okay, now, so. well, uh, that's the case in this instance. They, so they cleaned it out last week. They want to stop the green algae growing uh, for, and stop it from coming back. They're wondering: is there anything that can add to the water now? They do have fish. Yeah, you can, absolutely. There's a, a treatment called um, barley straw treatment, which is a liquid. You mix it in your washing can with, with regular water and you pour it into the pond. And that helps to stop, because particularly with the with the bright light levels, that's when algae starts to bloom. Um, so the last couple of weeks have been just perfect conditions for algae to start kicking back into mm-hmm. growth. Um, so the fact that it's cleaned out now, if you are, add the bar- barley straw treatment, mix it in your washing can, pour it into the pond, and that'll help to control algae growth and any green growth in the in the water right through the the summer period and uh, you could repeat that again in early june um and the barley straw is perfect to be used where you have got fish life or or plant life so it's a good one to use um a listener has they're wondering how many trailing petunia do you need to put into a 14 inch hanging basket right Uh, they just put them around the edge do they just put them around the edge or should they put them through the liner of the basket as well so a 14 inch hanging Hmm. basket perfect you put three plants is more than sufficient uh, so when you buy the, the actual plants, pinch them back. So all the little side shoots that are on the trailing petunias, when you purchase them, uh, you pinch them back, which okay. means just taking about an inch of the, the growth at the very tips. And that'll help to branch them out. Put the three plants then in, in a triangular shape into the hanging basket and you can put them right to the edge of the basket um, pinch them back now the other thing I would add is a little bit of maybe trailing lobelia which would be nice and put that just in under the rim of the hanging basket so it's kind of peeping out the side Mm -hmm. and that's all you need so three trailing petunias maybe seven or eight trailing petunias all around the or trailing lobelia all around the edge of the basket or you could stick in the few nasturtium seed as I mentioned at the top of the programme and that's your basket done Done. it's as simple as that and the pinching back is important because if you pinch them back you're doubling the amount of stems that the petunia will produce and the more stems it produces the more flowers you're going to get. Now, somebody's got some cabbage plants which we were talking about a little bit earlier okay. uh, and they planted them in March. They're growing very strongly Great. but an odd plant has completely died so they're wondering if it needed water or what might be gone wrong. Well, it sounds actually like uh, cabbage root fly which oh, is right. a, um, it's like carrot root fly. Mm. It's, a, it's a pest that attacks the roots of cabbages. So if you actually grab the plant and lift it, the, the roots have been eaten away. And, and the symptoms are 
it's as if the plant the plant has collapsed because yeah. it's lost its roots. It can't take up any water. So it's as if the plant is drying before your eyes. But if you just lift the plant out of the ground, I bet it'll come straight up in your hand. Right. Where you've got that, you've got some a little bit of cabbage root fly or you could have leather jackets as well, which will eat, do exactly the same type of um, damage to cabbage plants. Um, now, it depends how bad it is. If it's a lot of the plants, you can treat that area with um, bulk clear or you can use the nematodes, which is an organic way of doing it. And again, the soil temperatures are perf- perfect for the nematodes. So you just buy a little pack of nematodes, mix it up in water, apply it to the cabbage plants themselves, and that'll control both leather jackets and cabbage root fly uh, on cabbage plants and vegetables in general. Okay. So. And because I noticed we've had a couple of questions about leather jackets in between email and text and what have you. Huge amount. So is, it, is it nema- nematodes are the answer? Well, nematodes, particularly where, you've, where you're growing vegetable yeah. plants. Okay. So in your, say, tunnel greenhouse, in your raised vegetable patch, uh, anything that you're going to be eating, use the nematodes because they're very safe. They're an organic way of controlling the pest and they are very effective. If you've got leather jackets in lawns, which again is very common this year, use a treatment called Trigger which is, again, you mix it in your washing can, you apply it onto the area, and that kill the, kills the leather jackets overnight. Great. Okay. Um, Le- leather jacket damage, what they effectively do is eat the roots of plants. So where you see plants yellowing of lawns, um, plants kind of withering, dying, uh, that kind of yellowing effect, they're actually gnawing away at the roots, and that's a sure sign. And I think I said it last week, mm. to check for them, if you get a little bit of sudsy water, throw it on the area, you'll see them bubbling up to the top of the, the surface, so you'll, you'll actually see, see them, them there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or if you notice the starlings picking, picking. At, at your lawn, that's a real sure sign there. You've got uh, leather jackets. Oh. And particularly with this moist weather, they're actually only coming to the surface now, a bit like earthworms. You know, when the, oh, when the soil right. gets really dry, they tend to burrow it down, down a little bit. But now that they, with the moisture levels uh, increasing, you'll see they'll be start coming back up to the surface now. So you'll really see the the starlings or the crows picking in areas uh, uh, that, that they're... And how big are they for it? They're roughly about uh inch, maybe inch and a half. Right. They're well, quite so they're rubbery. Oh, you'll see them. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, and they're, they're uh, so they're, they're rubbery. They're kind of a, a greyish, brown, light tannish colour. Mm. Um, if you've got them in the, in your garden, you'll know. You, you, once you see them, you'll, you'll say straight away. They're kind of rubbery. So I suppose that's how they get yeah, their leathery yes, jacket yeah. name. But uh, the, the larvae of the daddy long legs, and they just, because the summer was so good. And one thing we are actually going to be seeing is a lot of aphids, a lot of caterpillars this year because of the warm summer last year, the mild winter, pests have overwintered very, oh, very well. Right, so get ready. Yeah, and I was I was actually listening to um, RTE yesterday. They were talking about one of the Christmas tree farms in Wicklow. Oh, yeah. And how there's an explosion of ladybirds at the moment. It was actually on Derek Mooney's programme yesterday. So there's been an, a, a, a huge population of aphids attacking mm. Christmas trees at the moment. The, the ladybirds have come in as well to feed on the green fly, which is great. Right. Uh, so, you know, you're going to see the, the beneficial insects have done really well, well as well. So okay. the ladybirds, the hoverflies, um, all those beneficial insects, they are doing very well. But the the green fly are going to be there as well. So okay. do keep an eye out for that. So if you can try and let nature do its let thing, one might take, take a, its course. Yeah. And do ladybirds cause any problems to no, plants? Not, not a really. bit, no. not at all. They're, they're one of the, and, and even common wasps, I know they get a bad name, but wasps are, are one of the great eaters of aphids, particularly at this time of year. And as right. we go through May, June, July, I know they can be a bit nasty in the autumn, but they actually feed on the young of, uh, of a green fly. They're oh. hoovering up thousands and thousands. Same with ladybirds. Oh, okay. That's what so they let feed them on. At it. Yeah. 
let them at it and hoverflies are exactly the same so yeah let nature but do keep an eye on plants particularly plants like lupins roses um vegetable plants in general you're going to see an explosion of of uh, pests this year i mean millipedes we had a lot of questions we did yes people I with noticed, black yeah. millipedes mm. you know and that's just down to the good summer last year of course plants did well but but the plant the the pests that feed on plants also did well. So, so and the mild winter wasn't there. Yeah, the, the to, get frost, to, 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 to kill them, them off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And with the heat that we're getting at the moment, you're going to get an explosion of uh, of of green fly naturally. Okay. So just to so just keep an eye, just be wary be of it. If you see the the ladybirds feeding on them, then don't spray. Just leave it. Perf- they'll, you know, they'll, they'll look after. They look after the yeah. Keep yeah. An no, eye I you. I have noticed some ladybirds um, around. All right. So mm. hopefully they will stick well, around and do whatever it is that absolutely. they need to do. Copper beech hedging pouring yes. just coming into leaf. Does okay. it need to be sprayed? And what's the best well, spray we for go. weeds underneath? The, what you're going to get with with beech is is the white aphid, the woolly aphid that attacks it around the end of May. So beech has just broken leaf. It's just coming into leaf at the moment. You're not going to see the uh, woolly aphid on it just yet. The woolly aphid overwinters. The the eggs are laid on the beech stems in September, October. And they stay on the plant until it comes into leaf. So now that it's broken leaf, keep an eye on your beech plant, say, certainly in the next two to three weeks. Um, And if woolly aphid is a problem, if it's a mature hedge, then don't worry about it. The hedge is well fit to stand up to the, the attack of woolly aphid. If it's a young hedge, do mm-hmm. keep an eye on it because the, the aphid sucks all the protein out of the plant and it will stunt the growth of beech. So just I would just keep an eye on it, uh, certainly in the next two to three weeks, turn the leaves over, the young growth. If you see woolly aphid, then you can put on something like Bug Clear to control it um, or PY spray, which is a quite a safe one to use. Mm-hmm. Um, weeds underneath it, you can use uh, now uh, something like Weed Free, which again, you keep it off the foliage of the beach, but it will control any grasses or weeds underneath the base of the beach. And weed-free, once it touches the soil, becomes neutralised. Right. So it won't do any damage, damage to the beach. Yeah. Now, a listener has a Japanese maple tree. Lovely. And it's about 10 years old. Great. They're wondering, is it too late to trim it back now? Lots of new growth on it. Yeah, no. Leave, Japanese maples have come into leaf. They're beautiful at the moment. Um, and you shouldn't have to do a lot of pruning with, with Japanese maple. I would leave it until November, December when it goes out of leaf. And then if you want to take out one or two of the stronger branches to reduce the overall height of the maple, then do that. Mm. But it's only going to put on five or six inches of growth this summer. So it's... Leave mm. it, enjoy it, look, you know, keep an eye on it, and then come the autumn, if you want to take one or two of the branches out, it responds well to pruning. Now, a listener is looking for a small tree with dark purple foliage for colour in their rockery to grow about three to four feet, something different if possible. Well, the Japanese and the maple would, would fit that bill lovely. Yeah. They're actually um, quite nice dwarf varieties, and um, there's one called Dissectum. Purpurium, which means it's got purple leaves, deep, rich copper purple leaves. They're in leaf at the moment. It's a great time actually to plant Japanese maple. And they do very well, particularly the smaller varieties, do very well in uh, rockeries, borders, you know, say in a heather bed, somewhere where you want something low and kind of full because right. they do spread out a bit. Um, so the dissectum varieties will only grow to about two and a half to three feet. They'll grow a similar uh, width in diameter mm. and give a great splash of colour because they retain the purple foliage right through till November. Uh, so they'd be that, that particular plant is, is really nice and a good time to plant them. There's another purple leaf plant, if again you want something different, it's more a, a shrub, it would be the dwarf Pittosporum tom thumb, which is a small dwarf um, 
pittosporum. It's a shrub. Right. It, it's unusual in that many of the purple leaf plants drop their leaves in winter, but it actually retains them. The leaves are nearly black in colour, purpley black colour. The young growth is green and the older growth is this rich, really rich, deep purple. So look for that as well. And as the name suggests, Tom Thumb, it stays quite That's short. Right. Okay, great stuff. Um, now, I think we might just take a little break, Porik, uh, for a moment, and then we ha- still have lots more to come, so stay with us. Okay, you're very welcome back now. I want to go back to the question, first of all, about the Himalayan birch before right. I forget about it, because yep. we were doing things in chronological order here at the moment, anyway. Um, now, six-year-old Himalayan birch pork growing in my lawn area. Right. The main right. bark has green, mossy growth, and the trees have lost that nice white colour on okay. the bark. What and that's should what they're we grown do? for. That's, that's Betula jacquemontii, the Himalayan birch. It's grown for its, its beautiful white bark. Normally what happens... The, uh, as the tree gets older, the bark, it's, it starts to peel. So the actual bark, um, like eucalyptus, the, the outer bark starts to peel and reveals that lovely white uh, marble coloured bark. But sometimes, and particularly with a wet winter like we've had, you'll get algae growing mm. on, the, on the bark. The tree, the simplest treatment for it is treat it with the power washer. Take out your power washer yep. and wash the actual bark. And you'll ex- you'll defoliate or exfoliate is that the word for it? Exfoliate yes. the bark, um, with the power washer, and it will actually bring out the inner bark, that lovely white colour. So there's no need to spray yeah. it with any treatment. Literally, get out a good power hose, um, give it a good spraying on the bark and on the on the stems, and that'll peel off the old bark and reveal the lovely white bark underneath, and get rid of all that green algae as well. Is it too late to sow flower seeds for blue that'll bloom this year? No, no. I mean, you can sow anything that's kind of uh, directly out of doors, any of the hardy annuals. So things like, you remember I mentioned the night-scented stock a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. that could be planted now. The plants like the English marigolds, calendulas, could be sown from seed now. Now, they'll come into flower about the middle of July and then flower right through till September, October. Or the pack of easy flowers that I mentioned with yourself. Mm. Well, there's another good one that Miracle Grow co- um, have, have produced called Magic Flower. Oh, well, easy flowers or magic and, flowers. And it's the same idea. It's a mixture of compost seed and, and fertiliser. And again, you just spread it down it. into the area. And there's various different ranges of colours. So there, that's probably the easy way to do it. Get a, a pack which has a collection of different flowers in it and, and sow them. But yeah, and it's great weather for sowing as, As we were saying yeah, at the start, yeah. yeah. So, so, germinate so no. get them today and get yeah. them in quick. Get them in, exactly. Yeah. Uh, cabbage set two weeks ago, covered okay. with holes and black flies. Tom okay. has a problem. Well, that's a, a pest called capsid bug. And you'll actually see it on quite a, a, a... It's a pest that actually attacks a lot of weeds as well, particularly mm-hmm. um, willow herb. You'll see the same sort of damage done on willow herb. So it's small kind of pinhole uh, holes that are eaten in the leaves. Um, it's a small beetle. Um, if it's... Yeah, you can spray with it with bug clear. It would be safe to use if the cabbage is kind of coming up ready to use. Um, get yourself, make sure it's the bug clear for vegetables, for fruit and vegetables, because it's very safe to use. You can eat the vegetables the day after. So that's a pest called capsid bug. He's around at the moment. It's a small beetle. Um, and does, is it just cabbage he targets? No, no, or as I say, he'll, he'll, he'll actually he'll, target not turnips, right. swades, radishes, anything in the cabbage family. He'll feed on weeds as well. Um, he's just one of the very distinctive type of damage on the on the um, foliage, those okay. kind of pinhole type uh, marks. So a little bit of, of the bug clear, fruit and veg, um, apply it in dry weather and that'll see him off. Lovely. Uh, now, we mentioned lilacs. You were talking about, yep. is it royalty that you use? Royalty yeah. is the variety I'd, I'd plant because it's a really rich, uh, deep, 
purple colour but it also has a fantastic scent. Okay, well Phyllis tells us that she's got a large lilac bush okay. and can she cut it back now and how far back? So what's going to happen if you cut it now? Uh, you're not going to have any flowers. Correct. So the thing is you can cut it back if you wish right. but you're not going to have but any flowers. Only, so you'll only have green You'll leaves. only have green growth, that's right. all. So what I would do Phyllis is let the plant flower which it will over the next couple of weeks and when it goes out of flower then prune it back and you'll still get plenty of new growth on which it'll flower the following year. So leave it well enough alone at the moment, allow it to flower, enjoy it, and then when it goes out of flower, the, literally the day the flowers begin to go off, go out with your secateurs, prune it back, and uh, it'll reshoot again, lots of great new shoots, and give it a bit of a feed as well, because right. when you prune, you feed, yeah. and uh, it'll produce two to three feet of new growth this, this summer. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, now, can we talk about turnips for a second? Uh, Andy has a query now. I'm not entirely sure uh, about this part, but you'll probably know exactly what he's talking about. He's referring to boron and yeah. um, then sowing the turnip seed. Yeah. Well, turnips uh, suffer from a thing called uh, boast, the heart boasting or, or rotting of the heart, which is when you grow turnips, where boron, boron is one, it's like um, iron or zinc or any of the micronutrients, where boron is deficient in soils, you get boasting of the centre of turnip. Right. It's just one of these disorders that turnip have where boron is not present. Um, so if boron, if, if I suppose his question is, if, if, if the soil is low in boron, should he sow the turnip seed? And yes. the answer is yes, you can, as long as you treat the soil with boron. Right. Now, there's a fertiliser called Vitex Q4, which has boron added to it. So if you are growing suede, turnips, uh, anything of the, in that family, then use the Vitex Q4. So you simply sow the seed, sprinkle the fertiliser on over it, and that'll add the, the necessary boron. Otherwise, your, your uh, suede or turnips will be boast in the centre. And any listeners that have that problem, if you've grown p- uh, turnips last year and the centres have been hollow or rotting, then that's a... a, a deficiency of boron. So just get yourself a small pack of Vitex Q4. It's actually a very good fertiliser for vegetables anyway. A lot right. of the prize-winning growers use the the Vitex Q4 um, for all sorts of vegetables. It'll do carrots and parsnips, but it's particularly good. It's got that boron element in it. And uh, just add that to the soil and away that, you go. That should and a great time of year to sow turnip seed. And do keep an eye out for that capsid bug that, that Andy, was it Andy mm, that mentioned? Yes. Um, Keep an eye on that for particularly on the seedlings of turnips. Keep an eye for for that. You have very distinctive holes in the, in the okay. leaves. Um, mountain oak trees. Uh, somebody, uh, Mar- Margaret, good morning to you. She, Margaret has mountain oak trees planted about twelve years. They're not growing very well, and she's wondering: could the bark have been damaged by a strimmer? It can, and remember that all the vessels that carry the nutrients, the water and nutrients, are just under the bark. So when a tree loses its bark, be it through hair damage, or rabbit damage, or deer damage, or strimmer damage, mm-hmm. uh, you're you're literally cutting the arteries and veins of the tree because they're just inside the bark. So when when a tree loses its bark it loses the, the the ability to actually produce, bring water and nutrition up to the top of the tray. So always when you're strimming, you can get uh, plastic wraparound um, shields that fit around the tray. So they're about oh. a metre high. They wrap around the stem of the tray. They move out as the tree starts to expand and develop, but it means you can go right up to the, the stem the of the tree and strim up to your heart's content. And so it's a it's a plastic spiral guards is the actual correct terminology for them. Okay. Spiral, because they have this spiraling really... habit and they, they wrap around the centre of the tree and they expand as the tree is growing. What? So if you want to be strimming them, get yourself a couple of them, put them onto the onto the tree and um, 
you can strum away then right up to the, the base of the Okay, and, and those, those trees now that obviously have a sustained some damage, will they come back? Depends how, how much. How if a tree loses a tree 60 bark right round, yeah. then it, the tree will effectively die. Okay. What will happen is it will probably start to sprout at ground level again and, and start to regrow, but you'll have a multi-stemmed plant. Right. So it depends on the level of damage, but continuous trimming will do. And, and people that have trees in their garden in general, you want to watch for that, that you're, you're not cutting the bark. I mean, literally the vessels are just inside, just under Underneath. the skin of the bark. Right. Uh, so when that gets damaged, That's people often think they're right in the centre, you know, right in the wood. Yeah. But they're not. They're, they're not. Right, they're just there edge. on the outside, just yeah, inside I the bark. I would have thought they were inside as well yeah, now, no. but there you go. I suppose when you think about it, it's the dead wood that's inside. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So of course Xylem it has to be on. And, and what's the other word? Xy- what's the xylem? And, f- and folium, I think, is the... <laughs> Don't be looking yeah. at me for yeah. it. <laughs> it's, but anyway, uh, Right, we'll move on to cucumber plants. Uh, <laughs> somebody has a greenhouse and the plants are seem to be rotting in the greenhouse, cucumber yeah. plants, um, uh, at the base. Would you have any suggestions well, there? Well, it, it can happen with cucumbers, anything in the cucumber family, well, particularly cucumbers themselves. They have a very green stem, a very kind of a, a light stem, and overwatering causes rotting of the stems. Right now, a bit like the, what I mentioned about the, the grafted tomatoes, you can actually get grafted cucumber plants, which again are grafted onto a, a stronger rootstock. Right. Yeah. So if you are having problems growing them, then look for those. They're available in garden centres at the moment. So they're grafted uh, cucumber plants. You'll only need two or three plants because cucumbers produce a fruit nearly every week. And particularly the grafted ones will produce nearly two fruits every week so two plants or three plants is more than sufficient in in uh, to supply any household with cucumbers but look for those grafted varieties but really what's wrong here is overwatering the stem has been damaged it's rotting and it's just keeling over and they can be sensitive for the first couple of weeks until you get them growing right. but go for the grafted ones you'll find those find those a lot more successful and eat more easier to grow now, we have a couple of questions about lawns and grass, so we're going to try and just put these together uh, for the next few minutes. First of all, Charlie is wondering, is there a slow-growing grass for a lawn? Yeah, well, the thing to remember with lawns, lawns, when you buy lawn seed, it's like buying tea. It's a mixture of different blends of seeds and you can get lawns for, you know, for all sorts of areas, for shaded areas, for um, you know, for for damp areas, for slopes and, and so on. So really what I would say is what's the purpose of the lawn? If you're going to have children playing on it or pets playing onto it, if it's going to be kind of a utility lawn, then go for, first of all, a hard-wearing seed. So go for something like uh, green velvet, which is a mixture of dwarf grasses. So it's perennial dwarf creeping grasses, so it's slow-growing. But more importantly, it, it's an ideal utility lawn where you can let the children out and play. They can play a bit of football on it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it gets a little bit damaged, it'll nearly repair itself. It's a good utility lawn. So that's the one I would go for, green velvet. It's a, it's a mixture of about four or five different species of grasses that are predominantly creeping or dwarf by nature. Uh, so they stay very low um, and don't require a lot of trimming. They're not as vigorous as some of the other grass varieties. Yeah. Now, also, and I think we all have this problem, uh, lawn full of weeds. Uh, the listener hasn't mowed it yet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few weeds in my lawn. Um, there are none in Porrick's. No, there uh, are. <laughs> <laughs> um, the lawn here is full of weeds, though. So right. they haven't mowed it yet. They're well, wondering what. It. No, oh, right. Okay. It must oh be God. pretty high. So okay. uh, what should they spray it with? Right, well, the first the first thing I would do, the next dry day, mow the grass right. is the first thing. Get it tidied up, get it nice and neat. Um, then give it a feed. 
So give it a, a, a straight lawn fertiliser, some, something like the park and fairway, because it does need a feeding. And by feeding it, you're, you're also feeding the weeds. And if you apply then something like the dandelion and daisy or one of the lawn treatments, mm-hmm. you'll find them very, very effective. So cut the grass first of all, feed it straight away after cutting, and then leave it for a week to 10 days. Let the weeds come back and then treat them with a proprietary lawn, um, a lawn weed killer and that'll see them off. You need to leave the weeds about two to three days after treating and you'll know they're dying because the stems become twisted and contorted and, uh, you know, distorted mm-hmm. and that's a sign that they're... And then just mow it again. Okay. So, simple as that, but no, it needs mowing and tidying up. Tidying up and then treat. Um, a listener is wondering, is there anything you can do to prevent birds from picking new lawn seed? Well, look at... Tough one. No, it's not, not really. really. Okay. Put an extra handful down. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go to the bother. I mean, look at your lawn seed goes down so heavy yeah. that uh, an extra handful or two, look at, give a bit to the birds, the bee, an odd pigeon or an odd crow coming down or starling coming down. I mean, unless you've got 50 or 100 birds feeding in your lawn, they're not going to, uh, you're not going to, the grass will germinate more quickly than they can eat the seed. Right. If that makes sense. So don't worry about that um, because you're never going to cover it all. There's no point putting distractors down or, or treating it with anything. I would just put a little bit extra seed down, rake it in well and let the, let the odd bird, don't, don't panic. Okay. And they're literally, when you saw a lawn, you're putting down thousands, thousands and thousands seeds. and thousands of seeds. So yeah. the odd bird coming along is going to do no damage okay. whatsoever. He might be feeding on the leather jackets. <laughs> well, there you go. That's just it. It might be the seed it might all be very positive. Yeah, but don't worry about it. Grass seed sown at this time of year will germinate within 10 days. And once it has germinated, the birds have no interest in it. Okay, one or two quick ones yeah. before we finish up. Uh, Ray has a new polytunnel. Wondering right. what soil is the best to use? Or... Well, uh, how would you go preparing the soil? Is well, really? Yeah, well, you can do it a couple of different ways. I mean, you can grow quite a lot of plants, say, in creating a raised bed and using uh, a quality compost. One of the dangers, I suppose, is bringing in soil is that you don't know what you're bringing in. Yes. You're bringing in weed seeds, you could be in pests and so on. So, depending on the size of the area, a lot of listeners would grow it in traditional compost. So get you a couple of bags of compost. Enrich that then with something like the Seamongus fertiliser or the Vitex Q4 that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Now you can add some topsoil to it as well but you need a good quality topsoil uh, to mix through it. Um, so, you know, good quality topsoil enriched with compost and using a, a granulated fertiliser like the Seamongus or the Vitex Q4, that's all that's required in a, in the tunnel. The other way that you can grow a lot of plants is just literally in pots, say it's tomatoes or cucumbers or even potatoes. Mm-hmm. It's a really handy way of getting a couple of old tubs, fill them up with compost, put in some of the fertiliser and grow them in the tubs as well. Okay. So, but so a good quality topsoil mix some compost through it and some fertiliser and you're good to go and you've still plenty of time to plant all the plants we mentioned in the tunnel. Okay, in 30 seconds. Thanks. How do you prune red robins? Planted last May, they're seven feet tall now. Just Lori. take the secateurs out and cut them back to wherever you want to cut uh, them can't back. Can't you do it now? I mean, yes, you can. Now, ideally you should do it in February and March because you're going to lose a, nice, a little bit of the nice red colour that they have at the moment. But don't worry. Cut them back. Take out, you know, If you want to reduce them by two feet, you can do that. If you prune them, feed them and within three weeks, I promise, there'll be a whole blast, blast of beautiful red colour again. Fantastic. 
Design Clinic Design next weekend. weekend. Yeah, next weekend. So if people are interested in that, so it's next Saturday and Sunday, you do need to book. We'll be giving each person about 20 minutes in the clinic. I'll be there myself and the team. But do ring the number 09490-31435 or 31436 and book your spot. Okay, great It's stuff. free as well. And it's, it's a bank holiday charge. weekend, so get out in the garden. Exactly, that's the key message. Thank you no very much indeed, Porek. Okay. Thanks, dear. We'll talk to you again next Saturday. Stand by news on the way with Fiona McGarry. And then we're out and about in Albany in Westport with Michael Neary after 10. Until next week from me, have a very good weekend.